0: Welcome to the inaugural Periscope Post podcast. I'm Linda rodriguez McGravy, the Editor-in-Chief, and this is Archie Thomas.
1: Hello, I'm Archie Thomas. I'm Managing Editor of the Periscope Post here in London.
0: So it's been a very big week here in London with the opening of the Olympics. Um, it's pretty much what everybody is talking about on both sides of the Atlantic, and certainly the only thing that we're talking about around my house. Um, Archie, do you have tickets?
1: I do. I've been to the boxing at the Excel Center. So
0: You've been already. I've been.
1: I went on Monday night to the... the yeah, there were no Team GB um, boxes in action, which was a bit of a disappointment, but the, uh, it was very well run and, um, yeah, and very... very. Important.
0: were there actually people sitting in the seats? Because that brings us there to were, the big thing we want to talk about.
1: There were, unfortunately, some empty seats when I went, um, but quite a few of those seemed to be filled by the Army. Um, oh, nice. Who are... Uh, Involved in uh, providing the security after G4S uh, slightly dropped the ball on that one.
0: And my understanding was that um, after the sort of debacle of too many empty seats and the uh, flurry of publication about that and the outrage probably justified that um, a lot of the really big events including men's gymnastics and a couple other ones had some significantly empty seats. They were now offering some of those seats to servicemen. So was that part of that
1: i I, I believe it was, um, and I think that the I think the empty seats thing is is uh, quite a big scandal because uh, these tickets were very hard to come by as anyone who not tried to get these tickets in the first place will know and it 's very disappointing for people who are desperate to be at at events such as Tom Daly at the diving or whatever it might be um, but at the same time, I do think most major tournaments whether it 's Olympics or um, Big football tournaments such as Euro 2012. Empty seats is often a story at tournaments in the first couple of days. Um, but I do think this is this falls into a bit of a different category because it, it does seem to be a, a serious issue, which is really, really disappointing and enraging Olympics fans.
0: So other Olympic controversies this week that we were looking at um, include unhealthy, expensive food and long queues for said unhealthy and expensive food. I understand that McDonald's was the uh, <laughs> only chip provider allowed at olympic venues
1: i think you can you can you can buy chips but they have to be with fish or with a meal um if you are not (laughs) going to buy your chips in mcdonald's so you can only only
0: buy chips if it's with something as equally unhealthy as chips
1: i think so yeah (laughs) i didn't i didn't buy chips when i went but that is that that is that is what i hear
0: (laughs) did you try to buy food at all did you see what what
1: i did i had uh I had a sandwich, but there were, there were, there were, there were, there were things like jacket potatoes, and uh, I think the, the onus was on sort of traditional English fare, some of, some of which you don't see ever on the English high street. Traditional English no.
0: fare after a night of drinking? Could you also buy a curry? Uh,
1: I think you could buy a curry, yeah. There, was, there were all sorts of different, um, different stores Good. doing different things at the XL, none of which looked that fantastic.
0: Well, So a couple of the other things that uh, people were talking about in the last couple of days included the opening ceremony. Of course. Um, And, I mean, this was a massive event, so obviously there's going to be a lot to talk about. But two big things sticking out. One was that uh, Tory MP Adrian Burley claimed that it was lefty multicultural crap, I Uh. believe, in a tweet.
1: That's right. He, he said something along those lines. He, he was very much out of step with the, with the groundswell of opinion, certainly on Twitter and from most of the people I've talked to this week. People loved the opening ceremony and thought it celebrated what is great about Great Britain um, and uh, it seems to have gone down very well with most people, maybe not with, uh, with, with that particular MP.
0: One of the responses that I saw to him on Twitter when he first introduced the topic of uh, how much he hated the opening ceremony was, would you have preferred the opening ceremony of the Berlin Olympics? <laughs> Presumably that was a hit out at his uh, Nazi-themed stag do that he got in trouble for a couple years ago. Um, yeah.
1: And I believe Cameron, uh, David Cameron, uh, has since called him a twat. Um, <laughs> so he doesn't sound like his party is necessarily... Um, Backing him with this opinion. Yeah.
0: Well there were a couple other things that happened uh, with the opening ceremony. Specifically the NBC, the broadcaster that has the rights to um broadcast it back in the States, decided to delay the showing of it. They 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 showed an edited version of the opening ceremonies at prime time, you know, because of the time difference here. Right. Um and one of the, the most significant things that they edited out was um, uh, Akram Khan's dance tribute to the victims of 7/7. And people in the states primarily seem to be pissed about the fact that the game that the opening ceremonies were shown um, not live. Right. But it seems to me that they should really be pissed about the fact that these were the things that were edited out. I mean, if as an American. Um, if the, you know, if if the games were being held in the U.S. and there was a dance tribute to 9/11 in some other country and their broadcast of it excised it, the outcry would be insane. I mean, the outrage would just be, you know, people would be taken to the streets with pitchforks.
1: Mm. No, I mean, it, it, it's hard to sympathise with that editing decision um, by by NBC, and uh, I understand that they had to. They Had to slim it down, but you would have thought that was one of the things that that the editors there were were, were sensitive of the of, of the, the cultural significance of that, and um,
0: probably should have left of, it in as a news organization that 's the kind of thing that they should be aware of. Turning away from the Olympics, um, yep. finally, I, just, I know it's quite difficult to do, the other big news this week is that Snoop Dogg is now Snoop Lion.
1: Legendary West Coast rapper Snoop Dogg has... Um, Calvin Broaddus Jr. That real name, Calvin Broaddus Jr., has uh, changed his name to uh, Snoop Lion and is now going to focus exclusively on reggae music. This is after um, he, he claims he had a... Um, an, an, an awakening when he was recording a uh, um, an album recently in Jamaica, and he had something of a religious conversion to Rastafarianism. And um, he's now put rap behind him. He doesn't want to do any more rap, and he's going to be a, a reggae artist. So and with that in mind, he has a new name, and his his reggae artist name is Snoop Lion, so we should no longer refer to him as Snoop Dogg.
0: Well, you know, the artist formerly known as Snoop Dogg has uh, evidently always said that he was Bob Marley reincarnated, but do we actually believe that this was a legitimate spiritual conversion or is this a, an attempt to reinvent himself at midlife um, for a new audience?
1: Well, the, the, the commentariat is, seems a bit split on this one. There's some people who say it's, it's, it's something of a coincidence um, that he also has a documentary coming out which opens at the Toronto International Film Festival and also an album um, and you guessed it, it's a reggae album. And then there's other people who say, "Well, hold on now, he's uh, he's perfectly entitled to change his uh, change musical tack and also change his name, and this could be an authentic thing." So um, you know, it's the, the, there's two schools of thought here. One is that it's for real, and another that it's a a carefully orchestrated publicity stunt.
0: Now, if you go to uh, PeriscopePost.com and check out our story, Snoop Dogg is dead. Long live Snoop Lion. Um, You can see, you can listen to his new recording, La La La.
1: Which is produced by Diplo.
0: Um, And you can also watch the very low production value, new style Snoop video. Well, and finally, um, coming up to the weekend, you're probably going to hang out with your friends. And the real question (laughs) is, are they friends that you've made recently? Or are they friends from university? There's been an article that came out in uh, the New York Times... Earlier this week, among a couple other others, about whether or not you can make friends after age thirty, and not just friends, but close friends. So Archie, I don't know about you, but I'm over thirty, and uh, I think I've made close friends. Yeah, I
1: think it's it's a it's a slightly um, d- depressing idea that it's impossible to make friends after thirty. Um, and uh, I don't know how scientifically proven this is. It seems to have come from a uh, Well, it has come from an article by Alex Williams in the New York Times, which has um, generated quite a lot of follow-up pieces um, on The Guardian and Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Including Um, um,
0: a a woman, uh, Bim Adewomni, writing at Guardian's is Free, who's just about to turn 30 in November and is kind of freaking out a little bit about whether or not she's going to make any new friends after that. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that uh, it's... It's an interesting idea. I'm not sure if it's one I necessarily agree with, that it's impossible to make friends beyond 30. Um, and uh,
0: yeah. I'd suggest that it's hard to make friends anytime time after graduating from university or any time that you're no longer uh, at school because where else other than work are you really with people and going through that sort of, sort of you know, similar experience that in a way that you can make friends? Yeah, and, but- I mean, other than also having kids because evidently that's how people make friends now.
1: Yeah, I think perhaps friendships out of 30 are more to do with um, very similar shared lifestyles uh, rather than necessarily um, immediate connections. And uh, that, that, uh, that might be what she's. What, what, what the issue is here is that this is, uh, there's something a little bit more contrived about friendships beyond 30. There, there might be something in that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not looking down the long barrel of no friends for the rest of my life. <laughs> we'll see. Yep. Uh, well, with that, on that if depressing note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be all friends. If you want to be our friends,
1: yep. um,
0: please find us at periscopepost.com or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash periscopepost. And um, please be our friends after 30. Thanks. We'll be back next week with more of what you and everyone else is talking about.